Our first reading today <clears throat> comes from Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 5 to 8. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. So then the days are coming, declares the Lord, <clears throat> when people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, excuse me, <clears throat> but they will say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them, then they will live in their own land. And then from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. And, uh, again, it's nice to be back with you once more. And, uh, and as we come to look at God's word this morning, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us, to our hearts, to our minds and to our souls. And we pray that you will lead us in truth this morning through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we come to the third in the series of uh, the study of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, today, we're looking at your kingdom come from Matthew chapter 6. It says, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. When we look at our Lord, we look at the New Testament, the kingdom of God was his highest priority. His message was primarily about the kingdom, what the kingdom was like, giving examples of who would and wouldn't make it into the kingdom. Over 80 times in the gospel, Jesus refers to the kingdom. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like that. Those who choose evil will not enter into the kingdom. Time and time again. So it's not surprising then when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray that the first order of business was in our prayers to be looking at the kingdom. We've already looked at Jesus as uh, uh, God as our heavenly father. 
We enter into prayer being his children, his sons, his daughter. That intimate relationship. We come to affirm God's uh, great name. We show reverence to who we're praying to. This is the God of the universe. Not some little statue, not some far away, deep in the ether uh, spirit, but a God that is living, a God that is concerned with us. And so after those things, Jesus says, pray for your kingdom, his kingdom, the kingdom of God to come. Now that's got all sorts of implications. Just three simple words, your kingdom come, is pretty weighty. If we look at when Jesus, what, what did he mean when he taught us to pray? We can start by looking at the, the future fulfillment. When we pray your kingdom come, this prayer recognises that God's kingdom is not presently ruling on earth. In essence, your kingdom come is praying for the second coming of Jesus. I often ask people if they, they pray that. Do you pray for the second coming? And people often say, no, no, no. Do you pray thy kingdom come? Oh, yes, yes. We're asking for Jesus to come and establish his kingdom on earth. And we look forward to the climax of history when God's will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. We look forward to that day when he will rule, where every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is the king. When we pray, Thy, your kingdom come, the answer will come when he will take possession of the earth. It says in Revelations 11 that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. The kingdoms, plural, whether they be mighty kingdoms or little kingdoms, will become the, king, the uh, kingdom, singular, of his Lord and his Christ. And he said, he shall reign forever and ever. The time will come when his rule will be complete. I have been a fan of uh, fantasy adventure novels, books, films, all those type of futuristic things. And when I read Revelation 20, my mind just races. For it says, during that time, when Christ returned, Satan will be bound and confined to the abyss for a thousand years. During that time, Christ and his saints will rule the earth, establishing a 1,000 year reign of righteousness. The prophet Isaiah uh, describes this millennial kingdom 
as a time when all the peoples of the world will live in peace. Even wild animals will live peaceably with one another. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, and then in uh, chapter 11. The mind starts to go, doesn't it? I love reading Revelation. My mind ticks over these images that come. Finally, the lamb who was slain will come and rule. At the end, Satan will be loosed from his confinement and allowed again to attempt to wrestle the earth off Jesus. Those who were born during that time will find it necessary to make a choice to follow Christ in faith and obedience. It says that Satan will gather the nations of the world in one last attempt to wrestle control of the earth from Christ. The great battle. But then Satan, it says in Revelations 29, at, at last will be cast into the fires of hell. Then the Lord will finally establish his complete and final rule over the earth forever. Quite amazing, isn't it? When we pray, your kingdom come. Those simple words, these are the events of the future. These are the powerful events that you are praying for. But it hasn't happened yet. That is the future reality. There is a present reality with that in mind. And that reality is that we need to recognize about our prayers for God's kingdom to come is that we're asking God to rule. We're asking the sovereign Lord to rule in this world and to rule in our lives. The kingdom in all its fullness will have to wait until the ultimate return of Jesus. But in the meantime, as it says, we need to listen and obey. We need to be fruitful. We can experience that love that grace, that mercy in our lives each and every day. Jesus said in Luke 17, indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. That's worth contemplating for a while, isn't it? That the kingdom of God is within you. For when the Holy Spirit comes into our life that God is with us that kingdom is with us Paul tells us in uh, Colossians 1 verse 13 he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love it's the whole now and not yet the one foot we have on earth and one foot we have in heaven. We have inside us the Spirit of God. 
And it's our task to manifest that kingdom on the planet Earth. That is the task of the Christian, is to shine that light, to show grace and mercy, to show the love of God that we've experienced, that we have inside us to those around us. If we truly desire God's rule over all men and women in the future, then it follows that we should desire that his will be worked out in our own life by how we live, how we talk, how we pray. We are to acknowledge God's right to rule. One of the the worst things you can accuse a Presbyterian minister is being a kingdom builder, which means he's building his own little kingdom, becoming like a, a pope in his own parish. But that's the struggle. It's a struggle in all our lives, isn't it? What's the old saying? A man's home is his castle. We want to be kings and queens in our own right. We want to rule. We want to have the say. But when we acknowledge God's right to rule, we have to submit to his sovereignty. We have to take off our crown and let his crown rule over us. There's absolutely no reason to pray your kingdom come if we're not willing to cooperate, if we're not willing to submit, if we're not willing to let his rule rule in our lives. And obviously, the more fully we submit to God's reign in our own lives, the more evidently God will be able to use us in manifesting his kingdom here on earth. The second present reality or aspect of praying for God's kingdom is that we're asking for the spread of the gospel to those who don't know Christ. It is a prayer of soul winning and evangelism for your kingdom come. We're praying for the kingdom of Christ to be expanded into the lives of people around us, into the lives of people who need to hear, to see what God's love is all about. What's the Great Commission? Go to the four corners of the world, making disciples, teaching them, training them. We need to go to the four corners of our world, where we live, we work, we play, we study. All of those areas need to reflect the kingdom of God and the love and grace and mercy that we've received. And so as we pray for God's kingdom to come, there are four areas that I think we need to to include. Firstly, obviously, pray for our own life. 
pray that God will give us grace to really seek his kingdom first. And that's tough. Because we have our own agendas. We have our own goals. As I said, we want to rule in our own life. It's tough. Tough to be a servant. We must submit ourselves to him by praying about the decisions that we have to make. And we'll look a bit closer at the decision-making and the will of God in an upcoming sermon. We need to pray for our family. Pray for the overall direction that our families take. Pray for our parents who mightn't know God. Or who after many years are a bit downtrodden, a bit weary. Their faith is flagging. Pray for your partners. Pray that you'll be able to enrich them and they enrich you. Pray for your children. Showing them what it is to, to love God. Be examples. Teaching them how to read the Bible. Teaching them how to pray. Teaching them how to sing God's grace. Thirdly, we need to pray for our church. And it's great to hear that you've put Darwin's name into the call. From experience as a minister, I know what it is to receive the prayers of a congregation. And they are powerful. Because there will be a time, there's a honeymoon period, new minister comes and everything's exciting. But let me tell you, as a minister, We get paid the same to do the same job no matter where we are. See, most people, when they move jobs, they kind of move up, they move to a new area, they might get a pay rise, things are good. But the minister gets paid the same to do the same job wherever he is. And after a little while, after that honeymoon period, there is a period of mourning. He's going to leave his congregation. He's going to leave that love relationship. And it's almost like a death. The passing of a partner and a loved one. So I'm asking now to pray for Darwin and his family. Yes, for the exciting times. Pray that he'll be inspired. Pray that he will guide us and lead us. But pray. Pray for his heart and be praying for it now. Because it can be tough. Pray for your elders. Pray that they may be faithful and diligent in serving you. That God will inspire them, will be teaching them, giving them the sweet honeycomb of life so they too may show the love of God 
that they may be diligent in pastoring you. When was the last time you really prayed for the Sunday school teachers? For your kids' workers? Because they are planting the seeds of the gospel in your children. Pray for the youth work because those youth workers are watering and fertilising that seed so that your young youth may be able to stand one day and say, yes, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I will follow him. Pray for a fresh touch of God because that too, after many years, can be wearisome. It can wear. May they feel the great love of God. We also need to pray for our nation. Pray for our, our area here in Epping. Pray for the council, the state government. Pray for the New South Wales governor. Pray for the state legislators. Pray for a local member. Pray for the Prime Minister. Because it is God who has placed them in, power, in positions of power and authority over us. Pray for them. Pray that they may be able to see the light of God if they don't know him. But if they do, that they may shine that light out in our parliaments, in our areas of public domain. These are the areas that we need to pray. We pray that God's influence is in those areas. Because we are in dark days. The days are here. There's wars, rumours of wars, pestilence, famine. Look at the, the pandemic. God said these things will happen in the world. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. There's no guarantee except the guarantee of eternal life through Christ. Friends, prayer is powerful. So make time. Make time to pray. As I was looking at this, I thought, well, as a Presbyterian, we, we're not really pressed. There's no preset times of prayer, is there? If we were Jewish, we would be required to pray three times a day. If we were Muslim, there'd be five times a day. In the early, uh, in the early church, it was seven times a day. And we think, ooh. How often do you pray? Set time. Be disciplined. Say, these are the set times. I'll turn off the telly. I will do this before breakfast. I will pray after lunch. 
have a set time, be disciplined, be routined in when we pray. For we need to take it seriously. Where we come before God. Jesus has given us a great blueprint in what we call the Lord's Prayer. We need to use it. We need to understand it. Not just merely trip off the tongue because we learned it in Sunday school. But bring it to your heart. Take it seriously because there is the great power of prayer. So thus far we've learned that we begin with our Father in heaven. We enter into that relationship of child and parent. We speak to the God of the universe as a father. We move up to praise God for his name, for who he is. Hallowed be your name. And so now we can add, your kingdom come. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you that as we examine this prayer that we we can recite, that you bring us deeper into your heart, understanding what your kingdom is about. May it stir us to action. For we are part of building your kingdom here on earth, here today. And it matters what we do when we walk out that door as we go into the four corners of our world. For you have raised up a Lord and Saviour. And the days are coming when he will return and establish his kingdom on earth forever. Our Heavenly Father, may we be part of that great kingdom and receive your reward of grace and eternal life in heaven. Amen.